Inverse Genius Fortnightly, episode 84, 100% My Wheelhouse. In this episode, Don, Bruce, and Eric talk about medieval fairs, game shows, and game show shows. Hey, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash obg. Everything that comes in from there goes to cover our monthly podcasting costs, which we appreciate. Thanks. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Inverse Genius Fortnightly-ish podcast. I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me all over the wilds of the internet as Wallsview. Today, I am thrilled to once again be here uh, with two of my most fabulous friends. Uh, We're going to start this time with the guy whose fault this all is, who named the show and forced me to host it. Hey, Bruce. How you doing? Hey! I'm an ideas guy. I'm not an execution guy. If you look at my track record, I think it speaks for itself. I also am an ideas guy, so I don't know how I got forced into being executed. Uh, um, I'm also not sure, but I I, I, I like it, question mark? Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, so where can you be found on the internet, or how can they find you uh, if they're looking? Uh, if you want to find me, you already know how. I'll just Twitter Brusco thinks is for nice. as long as Twitter's still standing. I'll be right? there. Yes, you won't find me there. I mean, you'll find me there, but I won't be there. Uh, but I'm also here with, or we are also here, with Dr. Eric Dewey. Hey, Doc. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you very no. much. <laughs> find me at ericdewey.com, and I can point to you where Bruce is, and I can probably hunt down Wal- <laughs> Mr. Donald Dennis as well. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So let's get on this. I understand we have uh, time time limits these days. Any callbacks to stuff we've talked about previously uh, that, that you want to mention? Eric, I know you've been watching something. So I've been watching, I watched Willow. I finally, I finished watching Willow and enjoyed ah, that yes. quite a bit. Actually, I really liked it. It was some fun, fun fantasy, I thought. Yeah. By the end of it, I was deep into it. I was like, this is this is all me. I'm excited with some of the cool lore that they're building up. What was it that you found particularly exciting besides the fact that it it kneecapped you in the nostalgia. So um, I liked the characters overall. It had sort of that sort of decent enough mix. And I think the Dungeons and Dragons movie did it well of, of sort of modern, modern day snark with fantasy kind of environment. Uh, right. I really like how they handled Willow, right? He wasn't, he wasn't like Luke Skywalker in the, in the sequels, you know, grizzled and unhappy, you know, he was a bit grumpy, but then, you know, he, he softens up. So, uh, I just liked it. And the whole question mark through the whole show was how are they going to handle Val Kilmer? Cause he was such an awesome character, but I don't know that he was physically able to do the part, you know, and they, they handled right. that pretty darn well. Um, I thought overall. Yeah. I heard he wanted to be in the show, but the whole throat thing and other yeah. issues, health issues that he had uh, well, prevented him. And, and I also like that the character that you think is going to be the Val Kilmer character at the beginning who you don't know, is he a good guy or is he a bad guy has such a couple of neat turns. Um, the long dark haired guy. And then midway through you meet a character who's claiming to be Val Kilmer's character. And you're like, no, they didn't recast him. (laughs) And then that all falls out. Uh, and so sadly I know that none of this is of interest to Bruce even a little bit because it has, um, uh, you know, wands and wizarding or sorceries. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, so for those of us who who drank this Kool Aid when we were kids, 
I'm I'm surprised it didn't do better than it did. I thought it had a rocky start, but I understand you liked it from the get go. I did. So. I did. Very uh, happy. Neat. Um, Bruce, is there anything that you uh, want to talk back about? Stuff that we may have mentioned before. I will cover two things. Number one, just as a note to everybody, because this is how I'll finally be watching it, based on uh, one Mr. I believe Donald Dennis's recommendation, is the Dungeons & Dragons movie is now on Paramount+. Plus. So yes. if you have Paramount+, Plus, you can see the Dungeons & Dragons movie, which is how I will be veering into Dungeons & or Dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I have to say, if you put them in a ranking for me, I dislike Dungeons & Dragons. I hate Lord of the Rings. Uh, is how I definitely, yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, people over the years have tried, like, Bruce, see this thing, and every time it's worse and worse for me. Uh, but DD, I'll give the DD movie a shot because it looks like it's just going to be like Guardians of the Galaxy in a DD world. And I very much liked Guardians of the Galaxy, even though, and here's another one that everyone's going to turn on me, I really dislike Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> but I really liked Guardians of the Galaxy. I left Guardians of the Galaxy saying, if this is how people felt at the end of Star Wars, I get it. Uh, mm. If this was the happy feeling they received at the end of A New Hope, then I see why everyone cares so gosh darn much. Uh, and then the, the one thing I'll talk about, wait a minute, yes, Eric? No, I just wanted to say this is a, a, an example of how the rest of the world should focus and, and, uh, and operate. We may not like different things, but we like each other. <laughs> oh, right? absolutely. absolutely. And also, I, I, and I feel that we need to clear this up. If you are a fan of these things, that's fine. I'm not one of these people who are like, well, then there shouldn't have been a Lord of the Rings. No, people love it. It's great. It's just not for Bruce. And that's how it goes. And that's why for my 30 seconds of talking about the past, I'll talk about something nobody listening to the show cares about but me. Uh, but I continue to be addicted to MLB The Show. Uh, mm-hmm. The deck building aspect of the game has really the last bit of thing I wasn't into really grabbed a hold of me because they've added an entire like you have a captain and the captain does things to help the team. So you'll build teams that are not just sort of the ass kicking suit of baseball where you take unrelated people and make the best one. You'll make more creative things because of how they want you to build the deck because of these particular uh folks you have i think it's super cool i really like it if you like baseball you should check it out if you don't you are gonna hate it uh but do check out the negro leagues documentary that's added i'm sure it's on youtube where you can watch it nice okay well uh, circling back to stuff you mentioned before i think that in the hobbit trilogy there is a 45 minute edit of all three of those movies put together that you might find entertaining but it'll never happen so i won't say hey bruce you need to watch this I'm super glad because I don't want to break your heart. No, no, that's that's fine. And also, I did watch the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 that came out not too long ago. And I have to say that much in the way that the Mass Effect series ended, with the exception of the last five minutes, just shut up about that. I don't care. um, That this whole movie was sort of payoff for everything that I felt had happened previously in the Guardians of the Galaxy series. And what I loved about it, without being terribly spoilery, is you know the first two Guardians of the Galaxy had what can only be called tremendous stakes, right? It's like a dude going around destroying peoples and planets, um, uh, another dude in the second one who's basically trying to consume the universe, et cetera, et cetera. They ratcheted, unlike in most series where they ratchet stakes, they ratchet stakes, and each one gets bigger and bigger stakes. And this one, they made it so much more personal, and they brought the stakes down to a, well, I can understand this, that even when 
let's just say a world was put in peril and may or may not have been saved that that's a side note. That's not the part the point of the movie that the whole thing, they did such a great job at honing it in. Now, if you are sensitive to, we'll just say animal testing or cruelty, take this with a big warning pill that maybe this is not the thing for you. Um, but on the other hand, like a bunch of British children's fiction is darker than many adult stories of the same type. Um, that doesn't mean that it is not for kids. It is a safe way to encounter incredibly strong feelings and put this up on screen and go, Oh my gosh, this could be so traumatic. See how it's dealt with. But that said, it hits some dark topics and some stuff like that. I really loved it. Eric, I understand you saw it as well. What did you think of volume three? Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I loved the fact that we rewatched one and two mm-hmm. and, um, just to kind of refresh our memories. I forget that Peter Quill is smarter than I realized. Cause at the end of uh, the infinity war saga, he was pretty much a doofus. Um, and yeah. when we get back into this, uh, you know, he's, he's a little bit smarter. He's, he's, he's smarter than that. And he's less of a jokester than you remembered. I mean, he's still fun and, and lighthearted, but he's not an idiot. Uh, and that was really kind of played through there as well. And I will say, I, I, was interested in how the whole Gomorrah thing would, would play out. And it didn't actually play out the way I expected it to. And that was probably a good thing, but yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely a, a very good, fun, fun film. Unlike the rest of everybody who saw guardians, I never thought that they worked well as a couple. So I was also very interested to see how that turned out. Also did not turn out how I expected. Um, and it all turned out, it was all pretty interesting. Um, you know, though they probably harped on it just a little bit more than they had to during the movie, but not by much. I thought it was good. Good, good, good. Go see it, Bruce. Let us know what you think. I am. And I'll note for all the folks out there, if you're like me, I heard about all of the kind of animal torturing and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I think I'll wait till it comes to Disney plus. So then if I find it is too much for me personally, I can just fast forward through those particular sections and kind of like, asterisk bad things happen to animals and then kind of go on to the next section. Yeah. And I will say that most of the bad things happen off screen. It's more okay. the implications of what is going on. Okay. Um, that makes me feel a little better. So yeah, yes. you don't actually yeah. have to. Yeah. It's all just, Oh man, that was, I didn't see any of that. And that, that really sucked. <laughs> okay. You don't see a lot of scalpel op- action there. Yeah. So I, I wasn't sure. Cause we're still in Marvel. So yep. we're more than willing to like open a, a person up or blast a person with radiation or inject a person with. We do <laughs> not mind that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe whatsoever. And I was like, you know oh, what? All that happens. I mean, yeah, that happens. Yeah. But that's that's a different thing. Yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I, I saw Muppets Mayhem, the uh, the TV show uh, about the uh, band. Uh, the Electric Mayhem. Uh, Dr. Teeth Dr. and the Electric Mayhem. Right, right, right. Um, and I recommend it. It was fun. It was interesting. My wife sat through and watched it. She will not watch the Muppet show with me unless I spring a surprise episode on her with, hey, this is the one with Belafonte. And it's very important right now because of him recently passing. And it's the best episode of the Muppet show ever. And she's like, okay, fine. We can watch this one. Um, but no, she enjoyed it because I think Animal is her favorite Muppet. And there nice. was enough animal to keep her interested uh, and the other bands. And we got a whole new band member who was actually in the Muppet show, but you didn't ever realize he was a key member of the band, but apparently he is central to everyone. So lips <laughs> is an amazing person and, uh, and you'll get that. So check that out. Um, 
The only other thing I've got to say about stuff I've been watching is Picard is over. It ended with the biggest nostalgia hit of anything bigger than Willow was, bigger than all that. If you watched, uh, what was it, uh, The Next Generation, then it was the final few episodes was just a reunion tour with high stakes and big bads and, and all that. And I thought it ended up uh, very well. So that's it. Uh, anything else from the two of you? No, but I do have some exciting news for Bruce in the new category. Ooh, okay. Let's do new. Go. So I don't, don't know if you have this in your neck of the woods, but we have an ice creamery called Bluebell that's mm. uh, down here in, in Oklahoma. And they have just released a Dr. Pepper float ice cream. Oh, so it's, it's nowhere near me. Gotcha. If I could figure a way to pack it in dry ice, I would send you a, a quart. <laughs> I feel like that would be the, one of the most expensive quarts of ice cream. <laughs> and I haven't Ever tried spent. it yet. I just love the idea. So oh, absolutely. Mm. <laughs> nice. Uh, I will ring in real quick, just supporting Donald's opinion on uh, Muppets Mayhem. I'm about halfway through the series. I think it's amazing. If you like the old show, there are a lot of nods and references to the old movies and the old show. There are also, if you're like a fan of newer music, I don't want to say like cutting edge, but if like Stevie Oki is somebody, you know, by seeing them, Stevie Oki is in this. Uh, And Donald tells me I'm halfway through and he says, I don't even understand the cameos that are coming. Uh, mm. But it's been a lot of fun to see. And as a person that loves the Muppets and loves the electric mayhem, it's been super cool to see their story uh, explored. It is a waterfall of cameo at certain points. And there were a couple scenes where I'm like, I bet all of these people are cameos and I just have no idea. You know, don't know who these people are. And I refuse to check. I'm like, uh, the people who enjoy it get it and good for them. And, and I can just enjoy the show on my level and not worry about that. So I think that's a thing they've always done well. Um, I know I went on cult classic callback to talk about the original Muppet movie and they had watched it with their kid. And I was like, so then like Milton Berle uh, being <laughs> in it and Ch- Charlie McCarthy and uh, Edgar Bergen. <laughs> I was like, like, that's a thing where they at least they don't, clearly don't know who that is because they're not a 65 year old person, <laughs> but they understand it's a cameo and it still works. And they were like, well, my kid never really asked. But yes, it still works because you kind of recognize it's a cameo and you're like, oh, I guess that's somebody. And I think the Muppets Mm -hmm. have always done a good job about that. And I agree. I figured seeing the stuff, I was like, I bet McDonald's watching this. He has no clue who this is, but he has to recognize that this is clearly an important person in music somehow. And that's all you need to know to get it. Right. Yeah. The context clues are there, even if the actual knowledge is not. Yep. All right, so I understand that your folks' main topics are are somewhat related. So should I go first or last? That way you can feed into each other. Well, let me let me jump in with just this weird little factoid I encountered. Then you can tackle it. We love weird little factoids. Go ahead. So hydrogen. All right, Mm. Uh, it burns. It is highly flammable, and it, it burns in a visual spectrum that is typically not seen by us. And it typically does not smoke, which means if you happen to encounter a hydrogen fire, the only way you'll know is if it's burning something else or you walk into it and you're now being burned and on fire. Mm, It's the broom system. Is this the broom system? This is the broom system. So NASA has this issue because they use hydrogen in their fuels. And apparently at some point in time, there's some hydrogen caught on fire and the various engineers there couldn't, uh, 
didn't know how to detect if there was a fire in the direction they were walking. And so, yeah, just as Don mentioned, their solution was to carry a broom in front of them. And if the bristles on the broom caught on fire, then they knew there's where the hydrogen fire was. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, today I was X years old when I learned this little tidbit of information. <laughs> it, it is disturbing when you realize that half of your building can be on fire and you might not even know it, right? Exactly. Like, oh, no. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and dive in, though. Uh, so over my trip, I, I went back to visit family and uh, there was a Renaissance Festival in Oklahoma, uh, the Oklahoma Renaissance Festival at the Muskogee Castle. And you might think to yourself, wait, there's a castle in Muskogee, Oklahoma? No, no, there's a bunch of plywood tacked up um, to look like a castle with stage painting on it to make it look like a castle. And uh, and I always found that relatively offensive, uh, but it is huge, right? It is giant. And it is now, the festival's been going on for 27 years. It is now mostly covered with ivy. So it looks pretty cool <laughs> at this point, right? With enough time, uh, you know, and, and enough overgrowth, I guess anything can look like a castle, but this Renaissance festival, I remember when I first went, when it was a new young thing, I was, I was pretty disappointed in it. Well, once again, with time and intensity, uh, it has grown into a very nice Renaissance festival area. Uh, there's a lot of cool vendors there. There is also some inside and some outside so that you can get out of the, get out of Oklahoma. Uh, instead of being outside in Oklahoma all the time. And also at this festival at the Castle of Muskogee, they have other activities that they do because it turns that a lot of these uh, people, when you go, hey, you want to host a Renaissance festival for six weeks, they go, well, we can't, we can't sustain a business on six weeks of entertainment. Well, they also do fireworks shows there. They do Halloween stuff. They do Christmas feasts. They do... Uh, I don't know, a New Year's Eve, all kinds of celebrations there. But it was just super neat to see my home state finally have a Renaissance festival that I go, oh, this is the thing that I, I wish I was there for. Because I live in a state now that has no long-term Renaissance festival. We've got one that's a one-week pop-up that's kind of neat. Um, but it feels like it's a temporary camping event as opposed to an established thing with permanent built-in buildings. So I got to go there with my uh, grandniece, and that was pretty cool. Uh, saw some neat acts. And I will say that if you're going to do a Renaissance Festival and you can dress in costume, you're going to have more fun, right? It's going to be more entertaining. But the most important thing about the Renaissance Festival, well, there are two, two important things. One is budget, right? You've got to know how much are you willing to spend on food. I have never seen an $18 turkey leg before. And how much you're willing to spend on X miscellanea, right? It's like, Oh, I've got this much. I want to spend on more costuming or on cool art, or uh, this place had a place that was selling dice, right? So they had dice that were made there bespoke for, for the Renaissance festival. And that was all pretty cool. Uh, the other thing is know the or organization, know who's going to be president so that you can decide which bands you want to catch because you'll get lost and wandering around and not know, Oh, I want to go and see this ribald performer over there or this juggling act or, you know, what is essentially basically a festival of modern vaudeville uh, is, is, is what the Renaissance festival is, is, and, you know, any of the kind of, um, vaudeville style acts with cool stuffs where they're going to tell some of the same lewd jokes or some of the same children's friendly jokes or whatever, depending on which act you're going to be at. And you need to know this. And so I bring this up because the other Renaissance festival I went to on my trip was the Georgia Renaissance fair. 
and they have, well, I guess probably every Renaissance does, a pub crawl, which you can do theoretically the pub crawl and not get the booze, right? But usually the pub crawl comes with booze included. And so my wife and I did that at the uh, Georgia Renaissance Festival, and they took us to three different parts of the park. So it was kind of an orientation for the park, and we got seating for the events that we were going to. So one of the shows was backstage behind one of the pubs, and that was the really naughty show, right? So I'm I'm particularly glad that we got to go. That Eric might not find as much value for the uh, uh, for the pub crawl. And since I know that neither of you two drink, maybe the drinking part's not such so useful. But for those of you who are are not offended by alcohol, that uh, the pub crawl is definitely thing to go with. I got a really cool souvenir pewter mug. Well, it's probably not pewter, but a metal mug. We did some arts and crafts there that I'm stealing for use of the library because Connie did a silk dyeing thing and we learned how to do that. And I'm like, hey, now I can replicate that for work. Yay. Um, some great acts. And I don't know, do you all have any questions about the Renaissance Festival or have you been to one? I do want to state that it's not uh, a moral op- op- opposition to alcohol. <laughs> Same here. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. Did I say moral? Did I say moral? I you implied know. it. Oh, okay. You said we may be offended by, and like, I'm sure I speak for Eric in this case. I go to bars. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have no problem with it. You perform at bars. I perform at bars. So uh, I don't love over. I don't love overserved people. Yeah. I will note that. <laughs> yes. But up yes. to overserved. Have fun. <laughs> so you bring me to a great point. All right. Um, I had had breakfast the morning of the pub crawl. Didn't eat before the pub crawl started. Hadn't had any water before the pub crawl started. Ooh. After that first beer, I was feeling great. After the second beer, I was feeling amazing. After the first third beer, I was questioning some of my choices. And so then we said, I need food and I need water. Should have gotten water first and then gotten food. Um, and by that point, there were like 80 billion people at this Renaissance Fair. It was, and this is the Georgia one, it was elbow to elbow. Maybe it was the first weekend they hadn't had rain in forever. I don't know what it was, but there were too many people there. It was too hot. And I had made poor dietary choices. Um, and so I left the f- fair feeling like a hammered bag of dog. Um, but that, that I think, was mostly the heat. But I know that the other things were contributing factors as well. It was also the first funnel cake I'd had in at least 20 years. And uh, that was delicious, by golly. Um, and, and, and the uh, turkey legs at the Renaissance Festival in Georgia were half less than half the price of the turkey legs that that they made you pay for in Oklahoma. And I don't know if they were half the size, but they were still sizable. Nobody needs an $18 turkey leg. Trust me. Nobody, <laughs> nobody needs an $18 turkey leg. Apparently my niece did. So there you go. <laughs> you know, if, if you're uh, the Donald Dennis's niece, you do need an $18 turkey leg. Indeed. You, you I mean, yeah, <laughs> you got a lot to kind of work through there. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. So go to these. They're a lot of fun. They're still selling their music. That's a great way to support the bands and take the music home with you, whether you're either buying DVDs or some of the folks have to, hey, scan this in, pay the money and get the download. Um, just because they're pretending to be in the Renaissance doesn't mean that they don't let you have your phone cameras or buy digital stuff. So it's all pretty neat. I enjoyed it a lot. Sweet. And and I will note, having been 
one, having been to a couple Renaissance festivals, and two, talking to a lot of people that do, you clearly could already understand where my issues with a Renaissance festival are. So we'll just not even let me be uh, a Puerto Rican poo poo head about that. <laughs> but I will say that one, you're going to see some artists doing some really unique things. Like I know at the one in Maryland, there is a professional wrestling group that does like a mix of Shakespeare and pro wrestling. Yep. Uh, that's kind of in mud. Thing. Did they do it in mud? Was that in the mud pit? Um, I, so I haven't gone to see it. No one okay. mentioned the mud. So I'm going to assume it was not in the mud pit. I believe they actually had a wrestling ring that they keep set up for like the six weeks of the main Ren fest. That isn't like the mm. thing you're talking about. It isn't like Christmas in the Renaissance or whatever, but the actual like Renaissance festival, they have a wrestling ring that's there. A lot of the people you're going to see that are doing Renaissance stuff are just like random circus artists. So you may learn about artists where maybe they also do Western gun tricks and mm -hmm. they're doing whip stuff and they're jugglers and they're pickpockets and they're, you know, so you're going to learn about a lot of cool artists that way. Uh, and I would say the other thing, and I think Donald touched on it and I will uh, phrase it in a different way. Mm -hmm. The same amount of personal awareness you need for an amusement park is exactly what you should have for here. Remember the heat, remember hydration, think about what you're eating, think about what you're buying. Um, hey, do you need to buy that lightsaber as soon as you come into the park? Or should you maybe buy it at the end when you only have to walk it back to your car? Um, right. I would say the same thing goes to the Renaissance Festival. Do you need that sword as soon as you get in the door? Uh, will right. it still be there when you leave? So I will say that several of the vendors have the ability for you to purchase a thing and they will hold on to it for you so you can pick it up on the way out. So if it is Smart. something that is unique, then you then you can do that. But Eric, you were going to say? I was going to say, speaking of lightsabers in theme parks, I just heard that the Galactic Star Cruiser at Disney World. that shut down. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be shut down in here. You just take the wind out of my sails every time I bring something up. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, after uh, I think in September, it's just I guess too expensive, or who wants to spend six grand on a two-day LARP? That seems kind of tiring, to be honest with you. But anyway, right. if you really got to yeah. do it, you better do it soon. Yeah. Oh, and so Bruce did. Since you mentioned the Maryland festival, since yeah. what's what's the state sport of Maryland, Bruce? State sport of Maryland is so I'm going to give you the modern answer so that it doesn't fall into what you want: duck pin bowling. Uh, but our we have two sports. We have a modern sport and ancient sport. Jousting is the answer you're looking for. Yes. Uh, which is our other state sport. And the jousting at the Maryland Renaissance Festival is the best I have seen nationwide. Yes. And I've been to Renaissance Festivals in California, et cetera, et cetera. They take it seriously. Um, you're going to find glass blowers at almost every Renaissance Festival. You'll frequently find blacksmiths, and they put on shows and show you how to do the stuff. And, it's, and uh, you know, so it's not all vaudeville. And in funnel cakes, but it could be uh, if that's what you wanted to do. So there you go. All right. Well, one of you leap in with something you're excited to talk about. Let me throw mine in first, Bruce, if you don't mind. Not at all, please. But uh, my wife and I have been getting into the game shows in the early pre-prime time time frame in uh, on the game show network. So they've got okay. these batches of game shows that they've been showing and. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting to kind of watch them in the you know sort of slightly lower budget area that Game Show Network has. Um, yeah. But uh, so the ones that I we, we saw a bunch of there's one called uh, Switch, there's one called Chain Reaction, there's one called America Says, uh, there's People Puzzler, 
and then split second. And the premises are typically the same. It's, oh, it's, it's you know, it's your kind of game show and you're trying to figure out whatever it is that this particular game show wants you to do. But the, the aesthetic that they put forth, I find to be really kind of fun and interesting because it's, it really reminds me of game shows in the, in the, uh, 70s and 80s, I guess, where it was during the day, you know, you're home from sick from school. And it was that kind of as opposed to the post who wants to be a millionaire where everything is is huge and they really ramp up the tension and whatnot. Uh, this kind of seems to be a good a good callback to them. So, Bruce, I know this is so deep in your area of expertise. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> This is a thousand percent my wheelhouse. Um, and what I like seeing is, is you're right. One of the things I don't like in game shows, and I understand why people do, I just don't, is there's sort of this British production game show. Uh, to give you the quintessential uh, two examples of like a British production game show is who wants to be a millionaire and deal or no deal, which is we're going to ask you to do something. And at every step of the way, we're going to remind you what you have to lose. And then we're going to play a, a, a sting that makes you even more nervous, but we're going to keep reminding you how high the stakes are. Right. Um, it's going to move very crawlingly slow. Uh, are you sure you want case number 22? Because you know that if case number 22 can take, <laughs> and just all this time gets killed. Um, they are doing exactly what you're talking about, which is they're quick. They're just trying to get the whole story done in th- in 23 minutes, uh, 30 minutes with advertising. Um, and I think they've got some fun stuff. I think Switch is a super fun concept because it's not a point scoring game. You answer questions and it slides you on this bar of five podiums. And at the end of every round, the bottom numbered podium, the highest number, the lowest rank is just you're thrown out of the show. You're voted off the island whether you like it or not. Uh, so all you're doing is just fighting your way to try to get the right answer to keep jumping up in the podium position, uh, which is super cool. I like people puzzler. And you and I have talked about this. I like Leah Remini. And I think on episodes when she gets more comfortable and she's just kind of uh, messing with the guests because Leah Remini clearly understands the stakes are too low for her to be serious. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, at times, I think it comes off as if she does not care about the game, which is never good because the host is always supposed to care. And at times it's just Leah Remini going, I can't believe after my entire professional career, I'm just here talking to this guy who's an amateur magician. Uh, <laughs> but I guess that's where I am now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been rewatching it with that sort of an eye to it. Cause so people puzzle is a crossword puzzle game that uses pop culture as their references. Um, but I had felt she was a little stiff. Like there wasn't a lot of, uh, a lot of connection with the audience, but then, or with the, with the players, but then once in a while, as, as Bruce mentioned, she will make that connection and, uh, you know, starts to get sort of that, that uh, sly sort of not snide, but kind of fun ribbing of the players. And, uh, after we had talked, I've started to see it more and more now. I don't know if I'm seeing later episodes or if I'm just viewing it through a slightly different lens. But yeah, it's it's fun. I like her sass. Yeah, once she finally gets it, it works out really, really well. I like, I'm trying to remember his name, the guy from Best in Show. Right. Uh, uh, that hosts, he hosts uh, Split Second and America Says. America Says essentially is Family Feud, but they sort of turned the dial 20 degrees to the left. So it's not legally similar anymore. But it's yep. the exact same type of questions. What did America say about these things? Fun. The format's fun. You know, they, they've done a good job with this stuff. And I have to say, as a person who puts on productions of game shows that are portable, seeing how they do sort of their set design stuff is a lot of fun because theirs are clearly significantly more permanent. But the look is kind of easy to copy with the right pieces. So it's been kind of fun to watch what uh, Game Show Network is doing with that stuff. 
Yeah, John Michael Higgins is the guy. I was it's always the guy in Best in Show, but yeah. And he did he is a really good job. I like him and you know, I like and like in America says they'll they'll give a guess and he he will it'll be right or wrong, but then he's like, you know, I think it's this when they're revealing the answers, you know. So there's a lot of he's a really I think he's a really good game show host. Agreed. One thing that I have noticed and I and I don't I haven't done any like calculations, but it seems to me that in these games to win the big prize is a lot is is more difficult than it is in sort of your typical game show not talking the big ones of course but you know your typical family feuds and and prices rights uh it seems like there's a bit more of a challenge there you at least see a much lower success rate yeah uh, yeah, if yeah. You look at something like uh, jimmy fallon's version of password almost everybody that makes it to the final round wins and you can tell with the way it's made that is by design mm-hmm. and on split second Almost no one wins. And <laughs> right. You can tell that is by design. <laughs> exactly. Save themselves five grand. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I've seen anyone beat Switch yet. Now, I haven't watched every episode, but I don't think I've seen a person with Switch. You start at the number five podium, and if you get a question right, you move to the four, to the three, to the two. And if you can answer the question at the one, you win the game. But if you're at the three and you get it wrong, you move back to the four. Yep. And you have like 45 seconds <laughs> to get five os- ostensibly in a row. I've not seen anyone do it. Um, I'm sure someone does before it's over, but I have not seen that happen yet. Yep, I did see one person, but you're right. Yeah, it's and it's really yeah. sad when they get all the way up to two and then just start falling back. You're like, oh, you tried. Uh, but yeah, so if you're looking for that game show fix, I, I like I said, all of these little batch of games that uh, Game Show Network, and I keep, I, I, I catch myself because I make it say like they're little games. You know, it's like, oh, these aren't these huge things, but they're not. They're full productions. They're well done. They're not. Yep rinky dink at all in the in the hosts all the hosts that i've seen i've really enjoyed uh what's the one game they have where you go against the master it's, i think it's the masters or mastermind i think it's masterminds mastermind yeah i really you're it's three regular quote-unquote regular people versus three trivia experts and and you kind of go head to head but the host the, the female host they have there is just really good i really love her connection with both both sides as well so strongly encourage you to check out these game show network games I believe it's Brooke. I want to say Brooke Burke, but I might be wrong. It is the same woman that hosted the chase. Yeah. It's in this. And she started with her main, like mastermind was Ken Jennings before he got the job to do jeopardy. Uh, She also has Mark Labatt, the beast who she worked with on uh, the chase. So it's somebody she's very familiar with and he's kind of used to being a personality. Uh, It's a fun show to check out. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, it is Brooke, Brooke Burns, maybe, maybe Brooke Burns, Brooke Burns. Yeah, that's what it is. But yeah. Uh, and it was, I believe before her game show hosting, she was on Baywatch, I believe yeah. was her modeling in Baywatch was what she did before doing game show hosting. And she is a fabulous game show host and does a great job and has on every show she's done. And I only hope to see more success for her in the future. I hope she gets to see a show that's on kind of mainstream right. uh, television because the version of the chase didn't get her as the host. Uh, I don't believe. I believe only the Game Show Network version did. Gotcha. Yeah. So definitely thumbs up there. Really enjoy it. Watch your watch it, have fun. And then I'm going to dovetail right into yours, unless Donald has any questions about what we talked about, but I don't think he does. No, I'm no. good. I'm good. Okay. Uh, we're going to do more Game Show chat, uh, but I promise I'll try to be quick about it. There is currently a documentary series on ABC. Uh, it comes on Wednesday nights after Jeopardy Masters oh. called The Game Show Show. Ooh. Uh, the Game Show Show... I. 
I'm gonna I say this about a lot of things we talk about on the show. If you don't like game shows, it's not gonna change your religion at all. Um, you're not gonna watch this and suddenly get it. But I will say, if you like game shows, it is fantastic. No matter how much you think you know about game shows, you're gonna learn something. Uh, they go through sort of a documentary pulling apart what game shows have been in American culture, uh, how we view them through the lens of pop culture, what they were to pop culture and history in the past. They talk about things like the quiz show scandal, uh, which mm. is something a lot of folks don't know about. It was covered in the movie 21. Uh, but the reason our game shows have to be legit and the reason some shows are called like, like uh, reality entertainment is because game shows have rules where you have to play fairly. And that was because back in the day they were uh, cheating so that the right people got on air so that sponsors would be happy. Um, One fact I learned in the first episode was I didn't realize Jeopardy has the format it does because of quiz show scandals. So quiz show scandal happens. Almost every game show in Hollywood shuts down for like a decade. You can't run a quiz show because it's mired in scandal. Uh, This is the thing everyone knows as this lascivious industry. Uh, Merv Griffin's like, hey, I really think quiz shows can come back. And he's talking to his wife and he's like, I got to figure out how to make one. And she's like, well, just give them the answers. And he said, well, honey, that's how everybody (laughs) got arrested. And she's like, no, give them the answers and make them give you the question. And that is how Jeopardy got the format it did. It was to try to create a trustworthy game show in the eyes of the viewer. That is amazing. I tell you, one of the things... Yeah, it's just phenomenal. One of the things that really shook me on watching this show, because I agree, I I really like this, was uh, I've Got a Secret, I think it was. They were talking about it back when all the shows were in New York, and they have this old guy that they bring on. Mm -hmm. And what was his secret, Bruce? Do you remember? Uh, His secret was he was the last living person to see the Lincoln assassination. Yes, and you're just, your mind is just blown because it, it doesn't seem like someone who would, see the Lincoln assassination would be on TV. Right. And, Oh, I mean, and and that was obviously what they were talking about in that particular aspect of it as well. But yeah, it's just amazing. That kind of impact that that has suddenly makes it more, more, more real. Oh, absolutely. And it's cool to see that what they've done, they've gotten folks that were contestants or are historians about game shows. They've gotten the hosts. They've gotten kind of old footage of like Merv Griffin or Bob Barker talking about the shows or Diane Parkinson or some of the women that have worked on them. They did new interviews, I believe, at the Strong Museum of Play, actually, with like Vanna White. They have old stuff of Betty uh, of Betty White talking about what she did. Like, I, we're, I think we're in episode two, two right now. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought was really cool was they talked to Drew Carey about taking over Price is Right. And this was a really cool story, I thought, so I'll share it with you. And if this sounds interesting, you should probably watch it. Is they said to Drew, they were talking to Drew about how he ended up with the job because comedians were not the kind of people that hosted game shows. Howie Mandel was sort of the first one to do it. And he talks about how I thought it was miserable. I thought everyone hated it. I couldn't believe it was a low in my career. And then we saw that 20 million people watched the show. <laughs> and now comedians are doing every game show. And he like looks at the camera and goes, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, but Drew Carey said, as a matter of fact, Uh, I was retired. I had done the Drew Carey show. It was done. I was doing the last bits of what I was going to do for Who's Line, and I was ready to retire. I'd made enough money. I felt good. And they said, hey, do you want to do Price is Right? And I said, F no, I don't want to do Price is Right. And they, (laughs) he literally says it, and they bleep it out. And they said, he said, they kept talking to me to compel me. And they said, Drew, what's your, what's your favorite thing to do? What do you, in your life, what do you like to do? And he said, you know, one of my favorite things to do is to give somebody a huge tip. I love to like tip $100 on a $5 coffee. 
to see the reaction and the change you made in someone's life. And he said, Drew, if you become the host of Price is Right, you get to do that three times a day, every day, <laughs> for as long as you do the show. He said, and that's how they got me as the host. Um, <laughs> Which I thought was just a cool story. And those are the kind of stories they're covering. As much as you feel like you know game shows, unless you're the kind of person that wrote a book about them, because the people who wrote the books about them are here on this <laughs> on show, show telling you these insider stories. Um, so I just think it's super cool. I think there's two more episodes left. I think it's a four-episode run. Um, well worth checking out if you kind of like those sort of talking head docu-series. And what was the show and where is it available? Uh, it is called The Game Show Show. It is on ABC on Wednesday nights after Jeopardy Masters, or uh, if that's not what you do, I've been watching it on Hulu the next day on Thursday. So I know if you have Hulu, it's there. I'm sure there's probably other ways to access it as well uh, with YouTube being as big as it is. Um, but that is the main place to catch it. It's a fun, like almost like VH1 style talking head documentary uh, with a lot of really interesting very passionate people. And the other thing I think is cool is, is they haven't gone out of their way to make things seem better than they were. They talk mm. about the fact that Bob Barker was mired in sexual harassment scandals. <laughs> they talk about the fact that like the government had to intervene on quiz show laws. They're not avoiding this stuff. They really are giving you the kind of warts and all picture of game shows, including having the host say like, I think this is the American dream for everything good and bad for all of the capitalistic sponsors shoving their product down your throat to giving a person a chance to win a million dollars. It is for good and bad, the American dream right in front of you. Um, and I think that's kind of a neat, they are taking a sort of a more intellectual and emotional stance to game shows than we've really seen them handled in the past outside of the 1970s documentary about let's make a deal. That's the only other time I've sort of seen it handled this uh, sort of academically. That's nice. I will definitely check that out. And if you're super into learning about weird things that happened in the game shows, I don't know if I, I think I shared you this with you. Uh, World's Greatest Con Season 2 is about uh, game show stuff. So oh. um, they talk about the uh, 21 and the 1950s quiz shows. Uh, Michael Larson broke, I think, Press Your Luck. Yep. Uh, the Price is uh, Right Perfect Bid. Yep. All of these different uh, world's greatest cons as they affected these different shows. And so it's, uh, what is it? It's like six episodes about uh, different things in game show history. Now, the first season is all about Operation Mincemeat, um, which is a completely different thing. So if you don't want to whirl, you know, don't want to learn all about, uh, you know, the end of World War II, then skip season one and... Uh, and dive straight into season two where they're talking quiz shows and game shows and that kind of stuff. Very so. cool. Awesome. Um, well, excellent. I think that buttons it up for me. Uh, once again, it's on Hulu. It's one place you can find it. It's called the game show show. Hooray. I will check that out. I've got Hulu. I got too many <laughs> streaming services. Hey, Amen. Everybody head on over to our Facebook group or email us or something. Let us know if you think there's something we should be excited and sharing with all of our uh, listeners and, uh, you know, just come and let us know what you're excited about. And uh, we hope to have something coming up where we talk about the Chronicles of Amber book series is more of one of our long form talking about one sort of thing uh, soon because it's going to have its own television show, theoretically, knock on wood. Yes. And uh, yep, so that, that we'll, we'll, we'll be talking about it, whether or not the show happens, because I went and re-listened to all the books at this point and Eric's halfway through, I think. So yep. that will be, be fun and exciting. 
Bruce, one last time, where can you be found on the wilds of the internet? Uh, right now, let's say, hey, look for me as at Bruce Go Thinks on Twitter until that burns down, then I'll move to somewhere and I probably will keep the same name. Eric. EricDewey.com. Nice. And I'm Walsfio pretty much everywhere. And you can uh, head over to inversegenius.com and find out more about uh, this show and our other show on board games. Yay. Everybody, thank you for listening. Goodbye. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. Thank you.